podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to Red Alert October, which we are doing here today on Saturday, the 4th of November. Less than 24 hours before the looting game. And in simple summary, people, the Reds are fucking magic. And in simple terms, people as well, I've got a couple of simple terms with me to talk through the month as normal. So as usual, I'm joined by my cohorts, Mark Evans and James McKean, to give them their full names. Gents, how are we? Yeah, very, very well. Good stuff, good stuff. Right, lads, we will go through the usual. And people listening, we will go through the usual. So we will talk through all the results in October. And we'll, we'll kind of cheat a bit as well, because we know the... Um, the Carabao the other night against Bournemouth was just sneaking into November, but obviously the games are coming thick and fast. So we'll, we'll squeak that one in as well. We'll talk about everything off the field and hell, it might even involve something tonight with the Copa Libertadores and a certain player. So we'll discuss that. And we'll also get ready to talk everything November and get through our predictions because Christ alive, people, the games come thick and fast. But, that's maybe not too bad a thing for the way the Reds are going right now. Who knows? But we'll talk through it all as normal. So, gents, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at these results. I'm not going to go through every single one right now, but it was a hell of a month in October. It really was. And I'll come to you first for this one, Mark. I mean, different competitions, home, away, a mixture of results, so to speak. Maybe a short question with a difficult answer, but honest thoughts on the month of October? Yeah, I mean, there's no way to describe it other than brilliant, is there? What a brilliant month. Absolutely brilliant. We, uh, The three of us on the last uh, sub-up of the month, we all went for predicting every single game to be a victory in this month, and we were pretty close to that. Only one result that wasn't a win, which is the 2 all Brighton game. And just to kind of give you a loose summary of of the way the month did go, we were against uh, Union uh, St. Julius, or however you, however you pronounce that, 2-0 win, a couple of nice moments there. We got Gravenberch's first goal for the club. Really cool to see that. Jota with a really typical Jota goal to uh, to secure it. Brighton, like I said, the game we didn't manage to win this month, a 2-2 uh, a real topsy-turvy affair. We had the kind of dreadful goal we conceded early on with a Van Dyke loose ball to McAllister who lingered on it a little bit. Uh, and then we get a couple of couple of good goals from Salah 
uh, both both times, uh, one penalty, one where Elliot kind of left it for him, if you remember. Lovely, lovely finish from Salah. Yeah. Looks like we're going to go and win that one. Uh, Graven Birch actually, I think, missed a real big chance late on in that one. Hit the bar from like a kind of open goal across, uh, kind of cross uh, field pass from, I think it was Sabozlai, and uh, just clips the bar. And unfortunately, we go on to concede a set play late on in that one uh, to drop a couple of points. Then it was the derby. We got our uh, our classic sort of derby win there. Uh, it, it looked routine with a sort of two 0 win, but truthfully, it was it was maybe the most nervy game of the whole month for me. Anyway, I know you were there as well, Dave. It was uh, despite being in control for almost the whole thing, it felt like you know they were just a, a you know one one moment away from taking the victory from us, uh, and it felt like it was going to be one of those days. You know, we were just smashing the door down but never quite managing to get it open and uh, right at the end we we, we just kind of do enough to win it that Nunez drive through the middle and great bit of composure to lay it on for Salah to, to cap the victory so really really delighted at that then we had the heavy to lose win a 5-1 win some great moments in that one too we had Endo getting his first goal we had that great Jota goal where he kind of dribbles through. We had the mental goal for Gravenberg where Nunes looks like prime Torres and then then like the other Torres. <laughs> and then Gravenberg puts it in. Uh, Trent with an amazing one off the line. Uh, Salah comes on and nicks another really nice goal to finish it. Uh, then we had the Forest 3-0 game, probably our all-in-all all kind of most convincing performance of the month, certainly in the league. Uh, so again, just really efficient, nice goals from us. Uh, more more goals for the strikers, which we spread all over the month. Uh, and then, like you said, the Carabao, which just nipped into November. There, tough game. Uh, the most memorable thing has to be kind of Darwin's big moment, doesn't it? With that duff touch, the jeers from the away crowd, and then he bends one at the top corner. So, I mean, all, all in all with those games, you, you can't be disappointed to have just dropped those two points at Brighton. I think you've just got to look at the month as a whole. Aside from the fact that we won every other game and it was, it, it, it was you know, super efficient and whatnot, it was also just really enjoyable to watch. I found it, it kind of took me back to the, the best months we've ever had under Klopp where, you know, Liverpool play every three days and you can't wait for the next one. And, you know, everyone that comes around doesn't disappoint. You get goals, excitement, proper, proper attacking displays. I've, I've just absolutely loved it. I don't know about you boys. Well, James, I know you're into all this positive stuff and you're on these live coach things. So I'm sure you're talking and sending the quotes about being better versions of yourself. And I'm blaming you for this, James, because let's be clear, you were the one the influenced 100% record for October. Now, defend yourself, James. Am I being too harsh on you? Or like Mark, are you still, it was a big positive month? Well, it was a big positive month. I mean, let me just kind of add to what Mark was saying because there was so many highlights and we're going to try and go into a couple more. Canadi's ball uh, against the SC Union. You had Canadi's ball for Diaz, who hit the post, if you remember that. It was like Iniesta-esque. It just floated over, and then he hit the post. That was unbelievable. 
And what I really liked about that was if you remember Jada, how he was battling for that ball, he heads the ball on the halfway line and he runs and he gets the ball and he scores. He just slots it in. It was just a, a thing of beauty. And again, this is what the forwards are doing. They're firing. Then obviously, we've talked about Brighton and Everton. We'll leave that because Mark touched all like that. When we think about Toulouse, boy, she's forgot about Endo and his first goal for the club. His trend delivery and his lovely header, smallest person on the pitch, and how he just sort of feathered that into the corner. It was just a thing. I just loved it. Also as well, Gravenberch, that's a real big one for us. He just like exploded onto the stage. And obviously for Darwin's goal, he done a 35-yard uh, dash and he beat two or three players. And then effectively it came to Darwin and he just smashed it in. It was great to see, especially for the lad, like loving it. And then also as well, that brings us to Nuff Forest. And obviously McAllister um, got a bit of Jip for Everton and Brighton. And we were talking about that um, just over Messenger. He really done a great job uh, for the goal. Um, he did an absolutely great uh, interception and he just feathered the ball. And it was fantastic. I just, just loved it. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well... Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. And then from there, you've got, if you watch that Not Forest um, game again, what I love about it is they employed that low block okay so it was very much like just come on and we started shooting from outside the area and the shots were fantastic now you had Nottingham Forest had six players back there was Salas a Bosley and then if you remember Nunez's finish the movement of Nunez, the movement of Sabozlai and how Salah, it was like they were telepathic. I just I just thought it was like poetry in motion. It was just so good. And then obviously just to sort of to round that all off was Nunez's acrobatic attempt. It's just great, Dave. Like positive McKean, that's all I would say. And then just Caribou Cup. You know, that that was one of those dark dreary, it was wet, it could have went either way, it could have went the penalties and it didn't and we got over the line with that Nunez, absolute captain chaos, curled it in, it was just, what can I say, delight. I'm really glad you picked up on so many of those extra bits there, because I could have went on and on, you know, if I'd really broke down every game and given all those, I would have been talking forever. But there were just so many good extra little bits there, and you caught a few of my favourites there. The Darwin for head kick was one I really loved, you know, just 
kind of highlighted where he's at, doesn't it? You know, like this guy couldn't hit a barn door at times last season, and now that's that's where he's at. You know, that's what he's trying. But I thought that was like a really nice uh, kind of bar setter for where the month was. That Darwin's like twenty yards overhead kicking now. That's that's where we've got to. <laughs> Do you know what though, lads? I, I could mean listen. I can't can't disagree with sort of much of what was said there. However, positive McKean talking about yourself in the third person. What the Christ in hell is going on? But we'll pick up on that a different time. And then the second thing to refer to, lads, is you're right. Loads of positives, but the big thing, if you remember as well, for me in the months that. We beat Union SG, and it, you're right, it was a, a late goal from Jota, but we weren't really great by Gravenberg in that game. Then Brighton, I mean, it was pretty iffy at times, wasn't it, really? It didn't quite work with Harvey Elliott starting and all that. And in the weirdest way, and I mean this in the weirdest way, the international break as a marker, I'm not saying it's good for us. I'm never going to pretend an international break is good for us, don't get me wrong. But if you look since then, we weren't great against Everton. You know, we can't pretend that at all, but it was a clean sheet, a 2-0, you know, they argue about all the decisions, but they were all pretty much correct. And then almost from there, Nunes, the side, others just start to ramp up, like Toulouse, Forest, and, you know, the, the Bournemouth results. So it just seems maybe since the international break, I don't want to pretend an international break in a 12.30 after that does us a favour, but almost a little split in the month, but... I agree with what you're saying. A lot to be positive about. We weren't quite right because we went 100% across the board for the month, but we were nearly right. And we were right in the majority of cases. So we'll take that one largely. But coming back to you, Jamesy, on this, because, I mean, Mark started it and, and I'll give you your due. You reeled off some lovely moments there as well. Be honest, though. Personal highlight, personal low light of the month for you. So, it's personally, um, the low light is obviously Robertson getting injured. I thought that was a pretty gutting. Um, obviously, we're worried, and Diaz as well. When you know what, what's happening with his family, it's it's something that you know you would never want to go through in your whole life. Um, and I was just wondering how that would uh, work when it comes to squad dynamics, and it seemed that it helped bring the squad together a lot more. Um and again you've seen these performances that we've we've got in, in the last couple of games. Um when it comes to the highlight, what I'm really excited about is how many players we have that can strike a ball this season. That's the God's honest truth, Dave. Um so Bosley, Gravenbirch even um, Harvey Elliott and Nunez, you know, he, he's he's due a goal outside the area and also so Salah as well. And I just like the idea of teams having a low block and we can come on and we can actually shoot from distance and have decent kind of players that can shoot from distance. Yeah, I think that's fair. No, can't can't disagree with that at all. It does that that variety could be key at times as well. How about for you, Mark? Highlight, low light. Yeah, I, I, I kind of I like to think of the highlight and the low light kind of on the park. Uh, I totally agree with James's two negatives, the Robertson and Diaz one. They're obviously, you know, really important things and really poor things, you know, for the club and for Diaz personally. But uh, if you're looking just kind of on the field, 
hit the highlight and low light. My my highlight uh, was was the the Salah goal in the derby. I think the the way Nunes broke through there. I, th- I thought that that the, that goal kind of summed up the change we've seen in Nunes, which is the way he managed to draw himself back and pick out the pass instead of just kind of sticking his head down and charging and trying to use that blister and pace of his. He picked out Salah perfectly. He laid it off in a way that Salah kind of walked onto it. And, you know, it had to be first time. Otherwise, Pickford's getting across. And obviously, it sealed the derby, which, like I said, was really tense up to that point. So th- there was just a massive kind of lift for me when when that one went in. That was probably my favourite moment of uh, of the month on the field. And then the the low point for me is is it's somewhere in the Brighton game. It's hard to know exactly which bit the the Gravenberch miss. Looking back, the fact that they didn't send off uh, the lad for foul and Sabozlai for the penalty, which seems just a really straightforward one to get wrong. And then obviously conceding the the set play at the end, just a, all in all, a pretty disappointing way for that game to have gone. Because I think on another day, we would have won that fairly comfy. Yeah, we'll probably agree with all that as well. I mean, it, it is so hard in a way, because like James, said, there is stuff in a way that there's far more important than football as well. Like the, the Diaz family, you know, fingers crossed, it, it all works out, so to speak, for, for them, you know, prayers and everything with them on the pitch as well this this sounds crazy and this probably will wind Mark up a little bit but my best highlight of the month I just remembered how I just absolutely wet myself for a minute you know when Nunes hit the post and then Gravenberch tucked in the rebound type of thing just that whole scenario of like Darwin where he gets the ball he puts the forward on his arse he puts the keeper on his arse he goes round and the commentator's already talking about, you know, his streak and what a goal it's going to be. And then the fact he hits the post, like, after all that, and it goes back to Gravenberch. And Darwin face hits the turf, doesn't he? And, like, what's just good got on? And then probably the best bit is Gravenberch reacts well, if everyone remembers. Good touch, goes to the side, puts it in with his left foot. Good finish, Gravenberch. No calm composure. And how does the crowd respond? to a Gravenberch finish like that. Nunes, Nunes, Nunes. I loved it. And all I was thinking at the time is, I bet Mark Evans is absolutely incandescent with rage type of thing right now. And that is genuinely why it is my moment of the month. You know, please make sure, give me my flowers here, Mark. Don't lie. You were raging at that, weren't you? I can tell. I just can't understand what what this thing is where we just cheer him loudest when he does something truly shit you know it's like all his worst moments are cheered louder than his best ones I don't understand like how it's happened but everyone seems to instinctively know to do it and yeah I have to admit it makes my blood boil it really does (laughs) which as you can say just makes it my moment of the month by far really in a bizarre way even ahead of his top top draw curler type of thing against Bournemouth but there we go. Plenty to be positive yeah. about. Give me the give me the top corner curler every time. Thanks very much. Yeah. And do you know what, lads? We, we could have, and I mean this in a positive way, and Christ, it's probably James's influence now, but we could have literally pulled apart 20, 30 sort of positive highlights from the month. It has really been one of those. It, you know, can't really say any more. And even as I move on to this bit, Mark, I mean, 
again, it's, it's two short questions. We'll do it one by one because people you'll know will talk about who we think was the, the player of the month, who we think was the young player of the month as well. Again, so many positives, so many candidates. We'll see if you think who the sort of the key man was. So I'll come to you first of all for this, Mark. The senior player of the month for October. Yeah, I have to be honest, I really actually struggled with this one because there's, there's a bunch of guys that I think are worthy of it. And I've, I've, I think I'm going to go for some a really boring answer, which is Salah, because ultimately, you know, he, he bagged another six goals this month and that's double anyone else. And some key goals, you know, one game's just by his goals, you know, nobody else getting a meaningful, uh, a meaningful moment in the game. And it's it's hard to to I don't like how we look over Salah so often, you know, because it's just expected of him. I think sometimes you just have to, you know, say this guy is a freak. You know, he's an absolute freak. How is he doing this month after month after month after year after year? You know, so in a month where he doubles everyone else's goal tally, despite thinking four or five other guys were brilliant, you know, I thought. Thought Darwin came to the party big time this month. I really did. I think like I'm so excited about what I'm seeing there. I thought Jota had a really big month. You know, scored a bunch of goals. Gravenberch really, really found his feet for us this month. Saboslai's, you know, he's he's incredible. Every single time he plays, he plays at like an eight or nine out of ten every time. But like James said earlier, McAllister came on to a game this month. There was at the tail end of the month, really, really in a position that isn't his own. Started holding his own. Uh, there's, I could go on and on. Van Dijk was absolutely superb at times this month, but I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for Salah. Yeah, I I could understand that logic and I could understand those arguments. I'll, I'll come to my thoughts on it a little bit shortly. But James, your senior player of the month for October, it has to be Salah. Just consistently, and and it's not even that. It's the creative edge. It's the balls he plays. Those feather. He nearly has a telepathic with a Bosley. He's always like he's he's just brilliant at how he can link up those uh, the other two forwards, and he can bring the midfield into play as well. And what I think is an absolute travesty is Ballon d'Or. He was eleventh this year. Eleventh. Like if, I think that's a travesty to be fair. Yeah, I think that Alvarez finished ahead of him, didn't it? I mean, what kind of nonsense is that? Absolute lunacy. Yeah. You know, the funny thing about Salah is this month, like the Everton game, for example, I thought it was one of the worst games I've ever seen Salah play. And yet, you know, he still scores the goal that seals it. And in a month where he scored six other goals, numerous assists, I mean, it's, it's, he's just, he's incredible. He's a freak. But that's what I mean, Mark. He's he's clinical. He gets the chance and he takes it. He's got all that pressure and he scores. He might not be in the game because he's marked out of the game or there's tactics against him and he just needs that moment of brilliance and he and he's clinical. And that's exactly yeah. what we need in Liverpool is clinical. And that's exactly the way you would say Salah is. He's just clinical. Yeah, and I don't think you can overstate the sort of evolution of Salah either. He has become something else. He's not just this raw goal scorer sort of character. The the out and out quality on the passes, the the vision, the touch, the strength, it's near perfection almost every week at this stage, you know? It it actually it reminds me of, you know, it's a it's the nicest compliment you can play him, but it reminds me a bit of Messi in the way his career went in the end. You know, he became this 
unbelievable creative force rather than just a goal scorer. And Sarah looks to me like he's going to go that way. It looks like as the pace leaves him, he's just finding a completely new you know, element to his game, another new kind of plane he can play on. He can just have the ball, play the passes. He can be your 10-year creator. But as long as there's guys like Darwin that want to score around him, you know, he's he's happy to do that now. Yeah, and he, even like that midfield, like Gravenberch and Hyde, like they're a lot more attack-minded than our previous midfield. So he always has that outlet as well. He always has that overlap where he's always looking for that kind of attack and pass. I just... You, you you know, did, I think Sabozlai in particular looks like he's really, that they're kind of gelling as a pair for me. Sabozlai getting down the line beyond them, like that Darwin goal you were talking about, the cutback one. The run yeah. was brilliant, the movement, the quality on the ball from Salah, the cutback. That's just a goal of the highest, highest calibre, that. Yeah. Yeah, and there was six Nottingham Forest defenders, and there's three of them, and they just pull, pull them apart. It's It's phenomenal to watch. It really is. See, it, it is interesting, gents. I mean, listen, I, I totally understand the the salary. I mean, the, the stats of the goals and the assists are just absolutely insane when you look at it for October. And, and quite rightly, I think he's an actual official Premier League nominee for, for Player of the Month. It's weird, though. It's like you said, Mark. Actually, some games, he really had little to no impact. I mean, he, he gets the double against Everton and obviously everyone takes that and he's the match winner, no doubts, you know. But, I mean, he was he was horrid first half, especially, wasn't he? He just kept running into Mikolenko, et cetera, and break, you know, breaking down, losing the ball, that type of thing. It wasn't sort of the best team performance. Brighton, again, gets a double, but at times looks in effect. It was just bizarre the, the way it was. But Forrest, like you say, maybe sort of turned it, so it turned it around maybe that's too strong but just it turned seemed it to be like he scored four already you know that's yeah, the level of the man the, the weirdest thing I can say and I'm deadly serious as I say this literally the worse he played the more goals and assists he got it seemed in October I know that's the most bizarre thing to say <laughs> but that is just the way it felt and then the other thing is, when I look at other players, like you, you mentioned Nunes, and he went on a run, and we'll talk about him a, a bit more as well, but played sub, you know, at, at times as well. So there's that question mark. Wasn't always brilliant. Weirdly, and I mean weirdly as well, like you say, Van Dyke, that sort of really from the re- recent form, it really felt like we're starting to see the old Virgil type of thing, especially in the last few games. So you hope. That continues. But then I've got to mark him against the uh, things like the Brighton game. I mean, it was a terrible pass to McAllister, wasn't it? At the same time, he wasn't really on it that game either. So, you know, not, not trying to do people down, but you've got to be honest. The weirdest thing is for me, despite the goals and assists and all that, I'd probably go as a Bosley because as I look at the games and the collection of games over the whole month, I can't level a bad performance against the Bosley. I can't even level, almost being honest, that he was average. Just being completely honest, gents. Even I think if I look back at those games, the Brighton game was probably the one I thought. He didn't quite shine. But if you remember that, to be honest, he was pulled back for the penalty, wasn't it? You know, the interception, the press forward. And I think the Brighton player should have been sent off personally, to be honest. But that, you know, gross, that's well gone type of thing. I just thought... And especially maybe the way he, if he finished strongly, as they say, it catches the judge's eyes. But especially that Forest game, 
the two assists. But yeah, for, for me, it's a good contest, but I would just nudge towards a to Bosley, sorry, but I would, you know, I wouldn't hesitate for anything around Salah. It's, 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 this is brilliant, though. I love that we're actually talking about these contests each month and we're actually going, there's options, because Christ, do you remember last season when we did this, Mark, and we were just like, yeah. we were shit, was anyone passable type of thing, bar Alisson? So, literally, these conversations are brilliant. And we'll kind of move it on to the young player. This will be an interesting one. I'll come back to you, first of all, for this one, Mark. Young player of the month for October? Yeah, you will like this because uh, you absolutely hate him. But uh, I, I thought Elliot was the, the best young player this month. And that's that's going some because I thought Kwanzaa had a fantastic time. And I really, really do rate the guy. I think he's incredible. But Elliot had poor starts this month. And I the Brighton one wasn't his strongest. But his impact in most other games, I thought was really, really good. I think he's gone up levels from last season. I thought there were certain little precise moments of quality that are of a really high calibre that we saw this month. There was one strike he had from distance that uh, I think it was against Everton and Pickford just tips it on at the bar. It was hit clean as a whistle, real proper, proper quality. I thought he was superb against Bournemouth. I thought his link-up play, his drive, his desire, I I thought he did everything right this month pretty much as far as kind of trying to stake a claim, trying to, you know, stay in the fold. And remember, this is a team with uh, with a new-built midfield, and Elliot's never really kind of... We've never really got to know if he's going to be a midfielder or if he's going to be a wide forward or exactly how his skill set fits in to, to, to kind of clop system or if it fits in, if we're being brutally honest. Um, but all those kind of things being up against him, I still thought he really put in a shift this month. Probably his best best month for the club, I would say. Um, yeah, I mean, Quanta brilliant as well. Um, you know, I'll let one of you guys talk about him. If I'm, I'm sure he'll come up. Uh, but for me, Elliot, Elliot just just wins it. Interesting. Just for the record, ladies and gentlemen, I think Mark's been away to a a stag do. I think it is in Madrid recently. So there's obviously still something in his system that's making him tell lies about me hating Harvey Elliott, which isn't the case, clearly. He's got him on his dartboard. I was in Dave's house the other week. He's got got Elliott on his dartboard. We'll we'll (laughs) come on to that very shortly. And and my feelings about Elliott are nothing like, as you quite clearly heard earlier, Mark's feelings towards Darwin Nunes. But we'll get on to that later as well. So... I'll come on to James. James E, Young Player of the Month for October. I would agree with Mark Elliott. There was specific games where he was the linchpin. He was controlling it. Um, I think he's really, really went up a level. We talk about, you know, levels. I would say he's really went up a level and he's matured as a player, especially this, um, this month. His crosses, his shots, his decision making. He's not hassled on the ball. He gets the ball. He looks up. He makes the right pass. His composure. Yeah, I'm going Elliot. Well, this is going to be great. Well, not a chance, Dave's going for this. Not a chance. I know what he's going for. Let, let, let's just be honest on this. I am picking the young player of the month for October for me is Je- no Harvey Elliott. Yes, go on. That must have hurt. That burn coming out. Not at all. I think the the biggest thing was, uh, and there's two players, and it's quite distinct with them at the moment, the way I think fans are picking them, in my personal opinion, like 
Harvey Elliott has got massive potential, massive technical ability. I think that we have to be honest that in a perfect scenario, Harvey Elliott plays the 10. Liverpool do not play with a 10, as we know. So he's always going to be that. Where does he play? And it seems very much this fallen on midfield, which happens to be the most competitive areas. And there's others with, just being honest, a greater skill set right now. And maybe in the future, who knows? We can't answer that question just now. But the big thing I would say with Harvey at the moment is he is actually looking like one of the best, if not arguably at times, the best option from the bench. You know, that impact player, the player who can make something happen, the cameo. And I think the key example of that would be, and it's in context because it's the derby, and it's in context because they had 10 men, but you've got to give him, you know, it is due for the sort of change, the injection of pace, the movement of the ball, the tempo, all those types of things. So that's the key thing for me. The second thing I would say is, it is right that Quance is on everyone's lips from that performance against Bournemouth. And every time we see Jarrell Quance, we're always, let's be honest, Jeds, a little bit aghast almost, aren't we, at the quality, the composure. I mean, the state of the conditions in Bournemouth the other night, his senior colleagues, some of them you could see, looked a little bit, I'd say rattled, but disturbed, let's put it that way. He looked again the most calm and composed defender in that back line, exactly as he did against Wolves the other month away after that 12-30, you know, the 12-30 international. He he literally looks such a talent. The thing I'm kind of, I just want to temper things on Kwanzaa because whenever we see it, it looks great. And it's easy to do almost a, and I know some fans do this, and I, and I bet, I know you do this as well, Mark, and this isn't sort of trying to dig it, even though I love doing that anyway, but this isn't, that people go, oh, look at Kwanzaa, he saved us money against, I don't know, Colwell, Inacio, all those types of players. It's only a small sample size we've got from him. That's the key thing. And it's not to be, you know, I'm not trying to play this kid down, because I think the ceiling is insane for Kwanzaa. I mean that seriously. But when I look at October... He doesn't actually have that many minutes on the pitch, does he? Especially if you take away the the Bournemouth, which is November, and we're cheating a little bit. So that is why I've gone for Harvey Elliott over him. So, yeah, I know that will probably surprise you both, but it is a full, full house for Harvey Elliott, Young Player of the Month. Gents, I'll come to you on this first as well, Mark, because I know you're, you're a big fan and you love getting carried away with stuff. Kwanzaa? I bet you've mentioned Colwell or things like that, haven't you? I know how you work. Yeah, I mean, the, the I think in the summer, you and I love transfers, don't we? We're always blathering each other about who might be coming and what do we need. And uh, we, we talked about Colwell a lot over the summer, you and I, and I think we both agreed it was about perfect. The the kind of age bracket, the the, the potential of them. And at no stage during any of those discussions did we ever mention Kwanzaa because, well, I think simply put, neither of us had seen enough of him or heard enough kind of raving of him to think that he was in that calibre. And then, you know, the the injury to Fafana happened at Chelsea and Colwell's going to stay now. And then I've watched him quite closely as the season started and truthfully have been disappointed in what I've seen with him. And, you know, in our discussions, you've rightly pointed out to me that, you know, Chelsea haven't had a good start to the season. That's a really tough place to make yourself look good. 
But in the exact flip of that, Quads is coming into a team that's absolutely thriving at Liverpool. And I think that context is important when you're looking at them both. However, what I would say is some of the things I've seen from Quonsa in these early, and you're right, there haven't been that many minutes. It's a small sample size. But some of the things I've seen, remember this kid's 20 years old. I'm almost certain if you put a a 20-year-old Van Dyke in the same situation for Liverpool, he would look no better than Quanta has looked in these small patches. Now, that's not to say that Quanta's going to go on and be Van Dyke. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying where he is for his age at this time. There's certain things he's showing that you 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 can't learn, you can't teach that that calmness, that the the way like the way he did that turn down the line the other night. That that that's frightening levels of confidence and calm and understanding of the space around him and things. I mean, you can't praise that stuff high enough. I, actually, I was starting to think like, right, this is mental. This is too much. Stop. You know, like just take it down a notch. Do the simple thing. But he never fluffed his lines. He did it all correctly the whole way, despite my kind of worries. And at this stage, at this early stage, if we aren't looking at him and thinking if Matip goes in the summer, that spot's his to lose for me, that that you know, that fourth or even third potentially, depending on how you see Gomez. Uh, I, I think if he carries on the way he's going this season, and that's you know, not that he's kind of ripping the trees out by the roots, that's just that he carries on with these little cameos the Europa Leagues, the League Cups, and shows us what he showed us so far, I think that spot's his to lose now. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's again, it's, it's almost temperate, so tempering expectations, the right phrase, isn't it? Jamesy, are you a big fan? Are you as excited about Quanta as well? I think, yeah, I, I definitely. Like, obviously, um, we were crying out for a centre-back, and again, Klopp knows best. And 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 the, and the big thing was remember Billy the kid. Kim, Kim, was it Camido? Was that his? Was that his name? Kim remember the French yeah. centre back? Yeah, raved about him. Thought he was going to be you know the next big thing. And then Quanta, he, he's just great. He's just a very technical, physical twenty year old. Like he's only twenty years of age. He's still a kid. Um, we were talking to Mark before we came on the podcast. And usually development of a centre-back, you're talking 25, 26, when they're starting right. to come into their own, you know? Certainly in composure terms you are. You know, like, you would think at this stage he would be going out with the mindset of, okay, Gerald, no mistakes tonight. You know, let's not, let's, we don't have to impress everybody. We don't have to make them think I'm, you know, the next Nesta or whatever. I just have to get through this without making a mistake. You know, well, let's get... 10, 15 games under my belt, and then we'll start showing what we are. And then you see him, he's running down the line doing Maradona turns. You're thinking, fucking hell, that's not what he came out thinking. He's come out thinking, I'm the guy, I'm going to show them what I am. <laughs> True that. It, it is crazy. I do, I think, um, probably the, again, almost I'm going against myself when I'm saying about tempering expectations, but I can't remember seeing if ever, the last time he, you know, trying to think how to phrase this, a 20-year-old centre-half comes into the team, starts, and on both occasions looks the most calm and composed in difficult conditions. Different games completely, you know, Wolves and Bournemouth for different reasons, but looks the most calm, composed. And there's almost, and I mean this, a swagger, 
and arrogance, but the kind you like in a centre-half as well. You know, it's almost, to be honest, he has the feeling of a natural leader there at the same time as well. So I know this is just completely going against everything I've said about tempering expectations, but yeah, there is a, a lot to be excited about with Kwanzaa. And we are going to talk now as well. I said we'd get to it about the player Mark Evans hates, but we've got to talk Darwin because what a month this man has had. I mean, especially look at the end of the month and everything we've seen, the crescendo of that Bournemouth screamer, just absolutely unreal. I mean, unreal, insane. Those are the words I'm using for everything he's doing on the pitch at the moment. I mean, when we look at it, Mark, is it now as simple, and it may be too simplistic, but I'm making this case strongly. Is it simple if now to go the forward line is Salah, Nunes and one other? Are you agreeing with that? Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, you'd be mad to deny that at this stage. Uh, you know, a lot of us, um, I would have said probably across the entire fan base when the season started, I think you would have found that, you know, somewhere kind of 60, 70% of people would have had Gakpo as their striker starting the season. And they would have reason to think that I would, I would have been among them. Um, but since the season started, not only has Gakpo stalled a little bit, maybe just not quite had the chances or the the impact he would have wanted. We're seeing things from Darwin that I really didn't think we were ever going to see in a Liverpool shirt, if I'm honest. I didn't think his technical level was up to the up to the standard of being able to protect the ball well enough. That was, you know, I had these long, long rooted worries about just the basics kind of thing. You know, that he, he probably would always get some goals. I think that was kind of obvious. But I just didn't think there was ever going to be a complete number nine in there for us. And now the things I'm seeing, you know, as far as, as pressing, the way he's holding the ball for us, his composure, like I said about the goal that he laid on for Salah, or I forget which game it was now, he sat down the defender just in the most, you know, the, the goal was gaping for him. He looked like he was going to take on his right and he sat him down, took on his left. It didn't go in in the end. But there was a couple of moments like that in the month that just just really kind of screamed maturity to me, that he'd really taken on the, the all of the things asked of him, essentially, as a Liverpool striker. Um, and then to top that off, you know, the kind of special moments, like like we said, that kind of overhead kick attempt, the beautiful goal at, uh, 
at Bournemouth, the movement uh, to tap in from the Sabozlai cross, there's, there was just some really, really nice, nice moments that, that have kind of turned me from doubter to believer, not to use the old cliche, but it, it would be really hard at this stage to have reservations about Darwin, considering what he's showing. There were still a couple of big misses. Let's not let's not kind of sugarcoat those. The one uh, that we talked about, the Gravenberch tapped in, and then there was also one in the SG Union game right at the start, uh, which was a pretty bad miss. Um, which I, I still would like to see him start converting those, you know, more consistently. But as far as kind of where we're at, you know, the the kind of temperature check for Darwin now, if if Let's imagine that Liverpool signed him this summer and all we had seen is what we have seen this season. For the 60-odd million we paid, I think we'd all be absolutely delighted. We'd be, we'd be comparing that to, you know, whoever your, your Antonys or Hoylands and the, these other kind of similarly priced strikers forwards in the Premier League and we'd be saying, we got the best one again kind of thing. You know, we'd be saying, this guy, for, for only 60-odd million, the, he's got the world at his feet, basically. And I'm really excited to see just kind of where this season goes, goals-wise, because even though he's been really good and I want to lavish praise on him, I don't think he's actually exploded yet. I think, I feel it's about to happen, you know, goal-wise. I think I think he's going to absolutely devour teams here and there. I think, he, you know, there are hat-tricks in his future. There's, there's match balls, there's like proper man-of-the-match displays coming Darwin's way. Fingers crossed, because all, all the graphs appear, especially when you look at those Optus stats and reports the other day. Every metric you can pretty much come up with seems to be better. I mean, Jamesy, same for you. Salah, Nunes, one other, just that good now? Well, okay, so personally, right, personally, absolutely Nunes, but looking at Klopp size, what do we need? Um, so obviously the three of Bobby, Manny and Salah, what, what worked really well is because Firmino was the composure of the team, if you know, like knitted together. Okay. If you think about Nunez, he's very much like a, like a bull in the China shop. It, it, they, they love him in Anfield. And the reason we love him so much is because he plays with his heart in his sleeve. And, and everyone sees that and everyone wants the best for him. Now, circumstantial, i.e., if Gakpo didn't get injured, would we still be having this conversation? Because again, it's all about if one of the forwards get injured, the other one goes up and takes his place. Um, I honestly think he still has a, another level to go up. And I think you will see Gakpo coming back into the team a bit more. Oh, controversial, James. Indeed. Yeah. But I, I do take the point. I do take the point. I also take the point, as Mark made, about you know a couple of... Uh, Basic misses, sorry, some extreme stuff Darwin does, but it's all just it's part of the the package, isn't it? So to speak, with Nunes, it's all just mental, it's all insane, and yeah, I just love the fact that basically the bigger the mistake, the louder the cheer, and the more irate Mark Evans gets. So it's just pleasing all round. But yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed, we do see we do see Darwin absolutely take apart a team and even just just continue the the progress but you mentioned something there Jamesy about through Klopp's eyes I mean I I always like to talk about the the manager because you know 
it's Klopp's decisions that often make the difference at the end of the day. So when you look at that month of October and you think about the subs he made at certain parts, you know, the the lineups, because there's almost, I suppose, a formation of a a cup team or the the spine of a cup team and the spine of a league team, so to speak, that he's rotating, but we're still getting the results. But then again, he went quite strong in the Carabao, didn't he, the other night with Zaboslai, Salah, Costas, you know, the only fit senior left-back playing as well. He's had the the Diaz situation, the Robbo injury to manage. I mean, it's it's been a full old plate for Jürgen in the month of October. Yeah, absolutely. How do you think he's got on? I mean, well, let's face it here, right? Um, Bournemouth didn't know that, you know, they were in that to win. That was 100%. That was their cup final. You know, they were going into the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup. So they were there putting out their full squad. Um, and again, it just shows they got beat 6-1 by um, City today. So it shows how much energy they exerted into that game to try and get it over the line. So... When it comes to the subs and the lineups and how Klopp's kind of sees things, personally, every one of our players knows their role, which means that if it's for like for like, they know exactly the role that they need to go and play. Okay, and the good thing is that we have five forwards that can be rotated out and they're prolific as well. And the midfield. So you take it like this. We nearly have a league team and then we have a cup team. And the further we go in the cup, the more that these players get get to play. So they're going to be playing. They're going to be trying their hardest. They kind of keep in that actual competition. And again, it's circumstantial. What I mean by that is. Many games, sometimes we're playing three times a week, thick and fast. It's um, Naturally, there's going to be injuries that's going to happen in the next couple of yeah. months. And you're just going to have these players that are going to step up and they're going to own that spot. And that's that's why I'm waxing lyrical about this team. Everyone knows the rules. And when they're asked to do a job, they do a job and then some, and then we have a conversation about, oh, well, maybe they should be in the starting 11. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, it's just a really nice way to look at rotation and that string of the caribou. Um, also, obviously, Europa, Salah always wants on because he wants to score his goal, you know, that kind of way. Um, and also in the FA Cup as well. So I think you are going to st- keep seeing rotation. And what I find interesting, Dave, is we've always talked about Klopp having quite a small squad. It's getting bigger because he knows that the, the, the demand, look what happened last year when we hardly had a preseason. You know, how many injuries we had. We look very leggy and lethargic. So now we're completely energized. We've got a bigger squad. And again, I think we're going to go for the, the four cups, mate. I think we're, I think we're going again. Challenging. Interesting. I mean, there's, there's a lot to be positive that, that Mark said there with, with Klopp. Oh, sorry, James just said there, Mark, all the way around, around Klopp, that the bigger, bigger squad different, rotation different, that subs at the right time. Are you sort of concurring with that? Is it a big positive month of October for Jurgen Klopp? Yeah, I would say he did fine. I mean, I, I, I think it's one of those where when the team's playing really well, I think it makes a manager's job kind of easy in some ways. 
But actually, if you kind of dig into it a little bit, for me, the, the hardest kind of selection thing Jurgen has is the forward line, because uh, we have five really good forwards, ultimately. Um, the truth is, with Gakpo's injury, Diaz's situation and Darwin also came back with a bit of a knock from internationals. He got kind of a free pass on which ones to play and when to play them this month, which was no bad thing because, you know, Jota comes in having not played very much in internationals and had a really good month. You know, as far as the, the last sort of 18 months go for Jota, it was one of the best. Um, Darwin, obviously, where he got fit, kind of exploded a bit. Salah then gets all the minutes he wants and we know he wants them all and gets a bundle of goals. Uh, and then also in midfield, you know, maybe maybe that would be the other place because I think there are kind of four guys vying for those three places, which is Gravenberch, Jones, McAllister and Sabozlai. And because of the suspension to Jones, he also kind of got that decision made for him a little bit. And what I also let him do is give Elliot those minutes that maybe he wouldn't have had without the without the Jones suspension. Um, so I think some of the decisions were made a little easier for Jurgen this month than than they would have been previously. But that's not to take away from him. You know, I, I think the the biggest thing Jurgen's doing just now is the way he's kind of got them all fighting on the same team again. You know, you, you see the way Jota lifted Diaz's shirt um, after his goal when when obviously the it had just happened with his family. Uh, I think that kind of tells a story of what the squad's like, you know, the way they're fighting for each other. You see these games where we've gone down to 10 and still managed to find the result, find the moment. I think there's a real togetherness there. And for me, that's the skill Jurgen has most kind of deployed this season. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. It's also, I mean, the thing for me, almost since the, the start of this season, which has been different, He's amazing at telling that narrative, isn't he? That This Liverpool 2.0, this revolution that we're talking about, he keeps talking about it being new. And he makes you believe with him, doesn't he? And the players are going along with that. You can see, like you said, they're hungry. They don't mind being rotated because they know there's always another game coming. They're all fighting to be in that first eleven. And the situations, I mean, the, the Robber one was a disaster, but it's, if we'll see if it, it bears out. But he's almost made it feel that it's not quite the disaster it, you know, it was initially made out to be. The Diaz situation, you know, the way he talked about the player is welfare. There's just a, that almost statesman-like handling to it. He just gets it so right. He said Elliot's coming on at the right time, using Nunes against Everton, the right way against Bournemouth. You know, his subs are having a difference. And yeah, I completely take the point, like you say, about sometimes it's, his injuries minutes has, has made it natural in that regard. And there is the element of me always thinking that, yeah, you look at the the Brighton game where we didn't really have those options for from the bench and it didn't flow. But but that is a minor, minor blot on an otherwise brilliant copybook for October. So I think, yeah, when we sum that on people, it wasn't absolutely perfect because it wasn't 100%, but October was a bloody good month on the field and we'll move to off the field events gents I mean I know we, we've had the the Annie Road situation and that we know the earliest we'll get news on that is 2024 that's what the, the club have confirmed I don't think we're willing to sort of speak too too much on that because everything out there is official and it can always sort of debate and muddy the waters and people can think that we're we're spewing facts when we're just sort of chatting around it but it's almost an off the pitch situation 
but it relates to players that I really want to talk about. The three I want to link together are Thiago, Weebadge, Stefan Badgesetic, and a player that's not actually at the club and may never join, but the likelihood seems a bit different. So, Mark, I mean, I'll come to you for this. We we know about, well, we now know, let's put it that way, about Thiago and Badge's injuries. I mean, the narrative's changed a number of times. So we've got to talk about that. The Andre situation, the Fluminese midfielder. I mean, even as we're speaking now, the president of Fluminese has been on, you know, and, and people are taking these quotes from Brazil. The BBC are running with them as well in their coverage on BBC Three has said that Andre has a deal, an agreement to go to Europe in January and Liverpool have been mentioned through a lot of Brazilian channels as well. I mean, there's this old smoke without fire type of thing. I mean, we'll sort of break those down first of all, bit by bit. I mean, the Thiago and Badge situations, Jürgen has changed the narrative a bit in the press conferences. Do you think... Do you think we've handled this well or we've tried to hide it and sort of been caught out? How, how do you kind of see this whole saga? Because, I mean, Thiago's not played since April, for Christ's sake. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to know if we've hidden it or what's going on. If these are kind of setbacks or if this is the way it was always going to be with these injuries and they've tried to kind of shield us from it. You never can tell that with Liverpool. They never, ever give much away with these injuries. It's a kind of classic staple of the... Clock management style uh, while he's been at Liverpool is these injuries that he f- begins by saying, you know, very minor, very, very small setback, you know, very small thing, kind of don't worry about it. And then six months down the line, you're, you're, you're getting silence effectively. You know, you don't, you still don't get answers. You don't get any, there's been a serious breakdown. He's had this, that's because of this. You'll see him in training in this, you know, time period. You never seem to get that from Klopp, which I, I don't really understand if I'm honest, because I don't think, you know, there's no real like advantage as far as kind of mind games go to opposition managers. You, They know these guys aren't imminently back, so it's not like you're hiding it from that. So I, I really don't know why he does that, why we don't just get a really transparent answer uh, about, you know, certainly Tiago, what his situation is. Because, it, you know, we were told two months ago that he was imminently back, you know, that it was after the international break. You would see him in training. Then we get kind of you know murmurs of a of some kind of breakdown, then silence, and now they're saying New Year at best, and there's rumors of kind of February and things like that. And I mean that would be heading towards a year without playing, which is lunacy when we've never even been told there's like a serious injury, you know, at any stage. Can't think of any other club that behaves that way. It's a it's a really odd thing for Liverpool to do. Uh, if you want to look at kind of the impact of that, the the two players in particular, that Bajtic and Thiago, uh, I guess let's break them down. Thiago on his own is an enormous loss on the field. I still think he's on form, one of the best midfielders in Europe. Really do believe that. Technically supreme reading of the game. Um, that he, he can do things that almost no midfielder in Europe can. So, I mean, we, we certainly miss him. There's no getting away from that. Uh However, I think we've kind of got to the stage now where we have to think about him almost as a past player, just as a a real luxury if it ever comes back. Superb, but for me, I'm kind of writing it off now. I'm kind of I'm kind of looking at the future and watching Gravenberg, Sabozlai, McAllister, and thinking that's what I've got to rely on, not not Tiago. Uh, Your love, wow. love affair, Dover. 
Mark? Yeah, sadly, yeah, because as you know, he's you know, there's few players I've liked more. But I mean, what can you do? You're only as valuable as uh, as the minutes you can produce, aren't you? you? Can be the world's greatest player, but if you if you if you're not on the field, what's the point? And that's kind of where we've got to with Thiago, unfortunately. Um, then Titch wow. is kind of the exact opposite, isn't he? You know, he's all potential, and we're desperate to see him and desperate for him to gain experience, gain minutes, and and show us more of the, you know, the really promising start that we got from him when when our midfield was completely crushed. He came in was let's be serious. He was our best midfielder for a month or two there while we were struggling. Um, so I would really love to see him back. It's pretty concerning, I think. You know, Thiago, you can kind of think he's at the end of his days. He's always been a little bit injury-prone. Bajatic is just kicking off his career, and I would hate to think his is going to be one that is marred by injury, you know, kind of start to finish. So I've really got my fingers crossed for Bajatic because I think he's got immense potential. He really does. If you watch some of those clips of him tail end of last season, those last uh, sort of 12 games of the season, he was absolutely superb at times. Taking the ball on the full turn, there was... Bits of kind of Busquets and, you know, that prime Barcelona midfield in, in him, I thought. Um, so I would really love to see him get back and get fit. Yeah, it is an interesting one. And I mean, Jamesy, I'll come to you for the for the second part of this because I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure you've heard it as well as every red has. Andre, the Fluminense midfielder, the Brazilian international. I mean... His name won't go away, and obviously, even as we're talking now, it is kind of reached fever pitch because the Copa Libertadores final. I mean, it's almost a couple of part question. I kind of want to throw at you here. Do you think? Does your gut tell you this player is coming to Anfield? And if it is, and I think it's going to be a yes, because I know you, you've been quite keen on this. Where does he fit in? Where do you think he actually sits? Because there's, you know. There's talk about what type of player he is, a bit of debate, the system, that type of thing. So how are you kind of seeing this whole Andre situation? So he's been linked with us for nearly, well, the whole transfer window. And then last uh, last season as well, he's, he's been linked. So this is a player that, as you're saying, Dave, he hasn't went away. Looking at his stats, and I, I think that Liverpool buy him and... He's a, he's a six, and and he gets molded into like a Fabinho, and he's going to be more of a six. Um, he's good at interceptions. He's good at breaking the lines. Um, I'm going to watch him. He's it's, he's on later on, so I'm going to watch him later on and see because I haven't watched a lot of him. I've just kind of looked at his stats. I've looked at what he could bring to Liverpool, but but again. Obviously, he's there to do a job, and I think we do need a number six. And I think Andre Klopp really likes the Brazilians. It must be their work ethic. It must be something that that he really likes about the Brazilians. And I, th- I think he's coming down for See, it it is a weird one because obviously speaking to a few sort of South American experts on our pod, and from yeah. the the eye test, and, and I won't pretend. Listen, I'm not going to pretend that I, I know him intimately. You know, we're amazing how many South American experts are coming out the woodwork type of thing on Twitter, etc. But very much when you watch him, when you see the the experts say as well, he does seem more of a, a deep lying playmaker, i.e., a progressive controller, if you want to call it that as well. Almost more Tiago than Fabinho. Being honest, doesn't quite seem that he's not that 
destroyer, that you know, that physicality, so to speak. Maybe not quite the decore style. I think it's probably the closest we could say, isn't it, in the the summer window. I mean, it's an interesting one, Mark, because obviously you've got McAllister there at the moment as the six. And now there's talk, obviously, there's a, well, a lot of talk, isn't there, that Andre's going to be coming in. So naturally there's talk that he'll occupy or will go into that position, if you want to call it that, rotate, however you want to describe it. But he isn't Fabinho, he is more Thiago. Do you think Jurgen Klopp's doing this by design, that he's moving away from a start Fabinho type into a more sort of controlling style? Is is this by purpose, by design, rather than outright number six he's looking for? I, I don't really think so, actually, truth be told. I think... If I kind of draw you back to draw your eyes back to the summer, the Andre stuff was kind of going on in the background all the while, and I think he has been part of the plan all summer. And I, like you guys, think he will sign uh, this this winter window. And I think that was always the plan. I think even in discussions in the summer, it was probably with eyes to bringing him in this window coming up. And then if you think back. So imagine that that's in their plan and they've kind of got that, you know, loosely agreed and penciled in. And for me, that that would very much be with eyes towards replacing Thiago in the summer, whose contract is up. And then if you think back to the summer, they they still tried to, they certainly looked at Takuri. They definitely tried to sign Caicedo, a very much a more traditional ball-winning kind of number six than, as you said, like a more of a dictator, a controller. Um, so that kind of says to me that we want both. So I imagine that when Andre comes in now, that won't change the fact that Klopp will still have eyes for a real ball winner come the summer. Um, I guess the interesting thing when you break that down is that, you know, we play with a kind of three-man midfield and the right of the midfield is always kind of a little more free, a little bit can, can do the overlaps, those sort of things. The left side can usually be both kind of the, the box-to-box or a little more reserved in the kind of genie style or maybe maybe what McAllister will bring when he goes out there. But we only really play with one deep player uh, in this kind of 4-3-3 system. And it's hard to see how you get both of the, the, the kind of controller and the ball winner in there. So it, it's like you're saying, is it by design or is it with eyes to, to a different formation? Because to me, having both of those kind of takes you back to more of what Klopp used to do, the the kind of 4-2-3-1 style formation. Um, And also, if you imagine kind of having Darwin as the focal point of the team, that also kind of leads you towards that, I think. So I wonder, is it kind of planning for life without Salah being the star of the team? You know, is it kind of... Because I always felt like Klopp preferred that formation and kind of just somehow ended up with this one and has, you know, made it work and gone with it. I, I I wonder, does he plan to have kind of a deep two, one of them controlling, one of them ball winning? And then, you know, maybe the right-hand side looks more like Sabozlai or the number 10, you know, that opens up loads of options. Maybe that's your Sabozlai. Um, yeah, I think it's really interesting that we're going for both. If we were still, because I, like I say, I'm certain we're going to get a ball-winning number six in the summer. I really am. I'm sure that's going to be the kind of priority. And if we do, it, it really leads you to ask, because we're quite loaded on eights with Jones, McAllister, Gravenberch, Sabozlai, four. You wouldn't really need another Andre 
if if you were looking at him as a as an eight, essentially, especially with Elliot kind of already being that young potential one. Um, so it, it really does beg the question, kind of what is the plan? What because there clearly is one. What is the plan? And truthfully, I, I don't have like a, a definitive answer. I only have those kind of speculations for you. I'd actually be really keen to hear what you guys think about that. Are yeah. we going to get a ball winner? I I am kind of thinking too. I mean, Alberis, I think Andre comes. I, there's, no, there's no smoke without fire here and all this. I am expecting to to come. I do think it does open up that whole four two three one, the double double pivot element. I mean, even if you look at the signings we made, because I know people talk about Endo was our you know our only true number six. People ignore the fact that Endo, whatever people think about him, played in a double pivot at Stuttgart. That is an important fact that people are missing. People also, I think, are almost sometimes ignoring the fact that McAllister, and even mentioning a player like Caicedo, he's played in that double pivot, hasn't he, with Groves, the alternation they had when he moved in, you know, from in and out from right back. So we have a lot of players, especially if Andre comes in, who could come into that double pivot conversation. Obviously, Trent's a different discussion, don't get me wrong. But I do kind of wonder a little bit if this is towards, and this this is speculation, like we say, we'll never know until the, the future time will tell, as you love to say, Jamesy. But it does open up options on those formation changes. That's honestly the way I see it. And probably the one thing I would say, whilst he isn't Fabinho, I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN Make sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. People may disagree with this, but I do think Andre will be a better option at the six than McAllister. I'm not saying McAllister's terrible. I'm not saying he's brilliant, but I would see him as a better option that way. But I'll come to a question at the end because time's ticking, Jamesy, and I do want to get to November because, Christ, we're four days into it. We're looting away tomorrow. You know, the, the ground in the middle of all the houses and all that shtick that everyone loves to give it. I mean, it's a hell of a month coming up again that... Toulouse away in the Europa, Brentford at home. Then the dreaded international break. James E, that comes up again. Then maybe the big one, as people could say, of the month. City away, the 12.30 after the international break. And Lask at home to finish the month of November. So it doesn't stop the demands, the international breaks, all those types of things. 
you were bloody positive last month. We didn't quite get the full house. What are you going for for November, Jamesy? Give us your predictions. I think Tlees away, we have a chance there to draw. I think it's a really hard stadium to go. Okay, so I think it's going to be a draw. Um, and the city away, I, I I just think that they'll they'll beat us. Like that's the God's honest truth. Like I just can't see it going any other way. Um, and and that's okay. You know, that's that's what I would say would be uh win, Luton, Tlees. It'll either be a draw or we'll uh, or we'll get beat. Brentford will win. City will get beat. And LASK last will win. Well, that's a, a bit different to the positivity of October, especially after you've just waxed lyrical for the last hour or so about how positive it is. But James, he's got a draw and a defeat on the docket. Oof, that cuts to the soul a little bit. Mark? Yeah, I'm pessimism. slightly more uh, optimistic than that. I'm going for four wins and a defeat at City. Four wins, so a win at Luton, win against Toulouse, beating Brentford, defeat at City, and a last win. Interesting. See, I'm going to give, I'm going to give a variation. I think we beat Luton. I think we beat Toulouse, and I think we beat Brentford. I think it's a nice run. I actually think then, after the international break, I would love to say different. And, you know, I'd, I'd take a draw right now at the Etihad. I know I was listening to this going, that's negative and all this, blah, blah, blah. I just think where we are, I will take a draw right now. That's my heart speaking. My head says, I think we're just, and it's not, not drubbing or anything like that, but just on the wrong side of a small defeat, unfortunately. The big thing about that last game is... If we beat Toulouse, gents, if you remember, if you look at the Europa table, we're top, aren't we, of our group? We've won the first four. We we can't be, you know, second place. We've qualified already. And it kind of makes those last two games dead rubbers. Simple as that. So I just think when that last one comes around, there'll be a bit of rotation, but there won't quite be the the hunger, shall we say, because of the nature of the group, so to speak. So it would be more for me about not getting injuries, especially because, as Jamesy mentioned, there's a hell of a run coming up after that. So, yeah, I think it's pretty good up until the international break. Perfect, pretty much, up to the international break. A City defeat, all three of us have gone that. Sounds pessimistic, doesn't it? But, hey, oh, we've got to be honest. And a draw, I think, against Lask. So it will be interesting to see. I mean... When you're looking at that, James, here, when you're talking about that, is it the same players we're looking to? You think are going to shine in November? Are we looking to the normal candidates, our Salas, our Boslies, that type of people? Anyone else you think could stand out at all? I would, I'd like to see, for the City game, I'd like to see Simicas have a really, really good game. I think he's mediocre. I think he does the job. But just to kind of stand up and be counted for him, I would really like to see that. Um, because we know that he's very much second string when it comes to left back. And if we get beat by City, we'll probably be talking about how much we miss Robertson. So that's some someone. But yes, the random Zabozlai, Nunez, Salah, all our all our, you know, front five. Love to see Diaz in the mix again. That would be absolutely fantastic as well. 
Interesting. Yeah, it will be a, a hell of a month coming up. And as you know, people, regular listeners, I do like to uh, throw a, a random curveball into the uh, the mix for these guys. So I'll come to you first of all, Mark, but James E, naturally get ready. Mark, give me your lineup against City. That seems the big one on paper. If you had to predict it now, and obviously we're based on no injuries, anything like that, give me a lineup right now for that City game. Okay, right. So we'll go Allison, Trent, Tanati, Van Dijk, and Simakas. And then the midfield three will go Sabozlai, McAllister, and Jones. And up front, we'll go Salah, Nunes, and the last one's the toughest one, I think, for me. I think I'll go Diaz. Interesting. Quite, yeah. South American field to the the forwards. Scouts are back in the mix. Just a a little sort of nod to Jones over Gravenberch there. Just for how sort of careful he is with the ball, you know, I think in that away game... uh, you know, that's the toughest game of the season. Let's not sugarcoat it. It doesn't get any harder than going away to the Etihad. I think you have to take a little bit more care of the ball because the more of the ball they have, the more they're going to hurt you kind of thing. And Jones is excellent for that. His press is great. His control is great. His, you know, his pass succession is off the charts. Uh, I think that one, Gavin Birch takes more chances and I think I would rather see a you know a more careful performance in midfield. I would just add one little kind of caveat to what to look forward to in the month, which is if we're looking at like who to excel, I think obviously that City game is the one. It's the one we're looking at in the month. And Sabozla has been absolutely phenomenal for Liverpool so far. It really has. He started like a house on fire. But I think that's actually the one where it gets a wee chance there to really puff his chest out, you know, and show what he is. Because those the big ones are the ones where you really make your name kind of thing. You know, it's two assists against Forest or whatever. You know, that's that's fine. Uh, you know, good on you. You need those. But those big ones, you know, the best players, the biggest ones. You know, you look at Salah's goal record against the top six teams. That's what sets him apart for me. And I would love to see Sabozlai just puff his chest out and really show that he is that calibre player, that he can dominate a game like that at the Etihad. Yeah, it it will be interesting. And whichever way you dress it up for all the fixtures, that is the one that draws your eyes straight away. I mean, Jamesy, same lineup against City, barring naturally any injuries. Snow you talked about that being generous for Jurgen and rotation options. But who would you start against City right now? Everyone bar Nunes. I think he might go for Gakpo. If, if Gakpo can have a decent November and can get in the international break with um decent form, I think he'll start Gakpo because it's like another tool that you can use. To bring Nunez on would be fantastic. You know, we're not going to have a lot of the ball. We're going to need to play counter, um, counter-attack football. And it might just be one of those things that we need to keep the ball um, when we get it. So it's more about composure. And then having that option of Nunez to come off the bench and just release chaos. So 
Interesting. A big call. And listen, gents, it is a it's a million miles until that game. There's a lot can happen with injuries. And we speculated tonight on what happened. Transfers. We've even got into the future. But all we know, the key thing at the moment, people, is that October was absolutely magic. Everything is hopeful for November. So the next time we reconvene in December, we are in the same method and the same feeling. So all it really leaves me to say is, as ever, first of all, Mark, much appreciated. Yeah, great, mate. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And same to you, James. Thanks as ever, mate. No problem. You're welcome, Dave. Really enjoyed that. Stuff. And ladies and gents, that was another Red Alert Fanfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.